If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is hour number two of The Look Ahead right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. And got a great hour for you as we're going to talk a little bit of baseball and we're going to be taking a look forward to the NFL season. In 15 minutes, Frank Schwab does a great job over at Yahoo Sports. He is going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at some season wins. We're going to be taking a look at some teams in which he is bullish slash bearish on their outlook. And Rob Bazzola, he's going to be joining me in 45 minutes. He is the co-owner of Stamp. He does a great job with the Circles Off podcast as well. We're going to be taking a look at what he's liking for this upcoming football season as well. Along the way, going to be taking a look at a little bit of football, including my DK Nation pick for the Diamond Deer in a minute or two. But first things first, we've got to give a shout out to all the folks that wind up working very hard on this show. And no, not myself. I do everything that I can to be able to find you guys some winners, but the real guys that wind up putting in the work, because without them, you would not be seeing the show. You would not be hearing the show. It's a been behind the scenes. You've got Jason Cobb, my wonderful producer. He's the one that books all of these wonderful guests that we wind up having on the show. You've got my technical director, Andrew. He, much like myself, a gentleman from the great state of Wisconsin. He's the one that you've got all of these wonderful graphics are up on the screen, everything on the bottom and the top. He makes that all possible every single hour of every single show that we do at VEASAN.com. That is posted up by our man Oliver. He does a great job. VEASAN.com slash podcast. Whether you like this show, the look at my show on Saturday. It's a Greg Peterson experience. You have a good on the list. Follow the money. Numbers game. Primetime action. My guys in the desert. List goes on and on. They're all over there. And then you got Taylor, my audio engineer. Sometimes I might wind up speaking out of turn, but every single time I do, it is always... Sounding very, very sharp, and Taylor is one of the best in the business. So a big thanks to all these guys. And now it's time for me to hold up my end of the bargain. Let's try to be able to find some winners on this Monday MLB card. And what I'm going to be writing up for DK Nation is going to be a battle out there for the AL East and more or less the wild one of the wild card spots in the American League because I don't think that any team is going to be able to catch the Yankees. Yankees have looked a little bit more shaky the last week, but that double-digit lead, it is quite a bit. But both of these teams... We've got playoff aspirations. 963-964. The Rays hit the road. They're going to be facing off against the Baltimore Orioles. Austin Both is going to be going for the Orioles. And you've got Corey Kluber is going to be going for the Rays. And the Rays, they opened up a minus-150 favorite. We've seen some money come in on Baltimore. Baltimore find themselves as good as a plus-125, as bad as even money. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, going to be finding them anywhere between minus-120 to a minus-135. If you like the Rays, you probably want to go to DraftKings because... I'm seeing a size of minus 135. They've got the lowest number that I'm seeing at minus 120. But 
This is one in which I'm not really going to be writing up the side because I do like the Tampa Bay Rays to an extent on the money line. I'd be willing to lay up to minus 125. So like the minus 120 that we're seeing right now, I think that that's fairly good value. But that said, I see a little bit more of a differential on the total. Wound up saying my total at an 8.1. So even at an 8.5, I like this one under getting a 9. I certainly do. And the big thing is for both ever since he wanted coming over from the Washington Nationals because that's where he started out the season. It has been a big, giant turnaround. This is a man that, while he was with the Washington Nationals, he just had to get out. Perhaps Juan Soto is going to need to do the exact same thing, but he had a 10-13 ERA. Things were cataclysmically bad when he was over there with the Washington Nationals. Ever since he has come over to the Baltimore Orioles, he has made five starts and four long relief appearances. Much more respectable. A 3.42 ERA, and he went from bonusing a 3.86 off of him when he was with the Washington Nationals. That is down to a 239. So he has been able to do a supreme job of being able to hold down the fort for the Baltimore Orioles. And on top of that, both he and the Tampa Bay Rays are backed up by really good bullpens. The Rays, they are ninth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA for the Baltimore Orioles. They are number four. And, and you just are able to go down the list for the Baltimore Orioles. Felix Bautista, CNL Perez, Joey Kreeble, Keegan Aiken, Dylan Tate. list goes on and on of guys that all have a 262 ERA or lower because both, he's not going to be lasting long in this game. He has not went past five innings all season long in any of his starts. I figure that you can certainly pencil him in for three. Maybe you wind up getting four innings out of him, but this is not going to be a case in which he's going to be throwing a complete game. But the bullpen, it has certainly been there for him. I would expect Keegan Aiken to perhaps be the long guy here for the Baltimore Orioles, give this team a few innings, and then get into more of their one inning specialist. And then, for Corey Kluber, certainly should be able to lend a little bit more length for the Tampa Bay Rays, and he comes in in good form over his last 12 starts. He's been posting up an ERA, hovering right around at 336, giving up 0.8 home runs per nine innings in those last 12 starts, and just all year long, he's had tremendous command. 1.4 walks per nine innings, strikeout to walk rate, north of a 6-2, so he's been able to do a solid job there, and then got guys like Colin Pooch, Brooks Rayleigh, you're able to throw in there Jason Adam, who have all been able to do a nice job of holding down the fort for the Tampa Bay Rays, and can add a pair of offenses that have been far from terrific this season. Both of these teams entered into the Sunday, tied for 21st in the league in terms of runs per game, 4.23 for both of these bunches, and with the Baltimore Orioles, they've been able to have a little bit more power than the Tampa Bay Rays, but the average has not necessarily been there. Meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay Rays, the average has been there a little bit more, but now you've got the Rays dealing with some injuries in terms of their lineup, Juan Franco is going to be out for quite a while for this bunch. And just take a look at what they want to trotting out there on Sunday. Now, Sundays, you typically do wind up seeing some funky bunch lineups that are out there because you do wind up having a few guys that wind up getting a day off, but you wind up having Josh Lowe, Yu Chang, Brett Phillips, Ramon Quinn, who winds up coming over from the Philadelphia Phillies along Tyler Walls. All these guys wind up seeing meaningful at-bats. All these guys hitting below the middle of the line of 200 this season, along Luke Rayleigh, who... He's not just hitting below a 200. He's hitting below a 100, a 080 for the season. So that's not necessarily too terrific. Now for the Baltimore Orioles, Anthony Santander has been able to give you 16 home runs. Ryan Mountcastle, he's been able to slug out 14 of them. And then for Mountcastle, throwing there Cedric Mullins, Austin Ace, Trey Mancini. These guys are in between about a 262, 270. So they've been relatively solid. But you got the guys at the bottom of the fold like Rudan Odor, you're able to throw in there something like Ore Mateo. They've just not been able to do a good job of being able to get on base. I will say, 
if you're able to get Mateo on base, he's actually stolen over 20 bases this season, but the problem is being able to actually get him on base. That has been an issue, not just for him, but for the entire Baltimore Orioles team. Both of these teams have really been hanging their head on pitching all season long. With the new dimensions out there in Camden Yards, it has been very much one that has been seeing lower scoring games than in past years. That is for sure, as you've got a lot of Orioles pitchers that, if you take a look at their home and road splits, they're giving up more than double the amount of home runs at home rather than on the road. Relatively small sample size for both, so he's not necessarily one of these guys, but certainly I do think that we're going to see a relatively low scoring game. So I'm going to be writing up for DK Nation, the under on this one, and want to lay up to a minus 125. With the Tampa Bay race in terms of the money line, I do think that the Orioles are starting to get a little bit overpriced based on that big win streak that we wound up seeing from them just before the All-Star break. If you're looking at teams out there in the AL East as well, this is an interesting one as we go 965-966. The Boston Red Sox are going to be playing us the Cleveland Guardians as Zach Polisak is going to be going for the Guardians and Nick Pavetta is on the bump for Boston. Relative pick'em game here. Both of these teams are anywhere between a minus 105 to a minus 110. If you search on the Guardians, I think you can find as good as a minus 102, but relative pick'em game here. Total is a 9.5, juicy under end. I do think that this is a relatively good bounce-back spot for Boston. I've never really seen anything like this, but for the Boston Red Sox, over half their losses this year have come within the division, and as a matter of fact, they have not won a single series within the division. Now, outside the division... They've won darn near all these series. They've been very good against teams that aren't in the American Leagues, against teams in the American Leagues, and it's not so terrific. Now, the problem for Boston in this one is that they're dealing with some injuries. J.D. Martinez, a couple with Rafael Devers, both of these guys wound up missing the series against Toronto, and as a matter of fact, for Devers, who's been leading the team in home runs, been hitting right around 320, he is now on the injured list, so he's not going to be coming back for this series, but that said, you still have Sandra Bogarts, who's been able to hit above a 290 for this team. Jaron Duran is starting to wear down a little bit, but still hitting right around at 250 as well. This is still a formidable Boston Red Sox lineup. Certainly not as good as it was a little bit earlier on this season, but still you've got guys who are able to put back to ball. And the problem with the Boston Red Sox is because they have not gotten great starts, to say the least. Brian Bello was unable to give the team five innings. Anthony Evaldi wound up getting completely blown up on Friday as well. You do have a little bit more of a tiger bullpen. Eric Alcazar-Mora wound up coming out of the bullpen on Sunday. You wind up having to throw a lot of guys just all throughout the series against the Blue Jays and, and in general for the Boston Red Sox. Among the 30 MLB teams in the last 35 days, they are third worst in terms of bullpen ERA. But that said, Zach Plesek, certainly much more of a pitcher contact guy. He's only getting right around six strikeouts per nine innings for a Cleveland Guardians team that they're towards the bottom in terms of home runs per game with regards to their offense. Now, for Plesek, be able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings. Someone who's been doing a nice job of not giving up a lot of walks as well, right around 2.3 walks per nine innings, and he faces off against a pitcher in Nick Pavetta, who actually has been a little bit better in his two seasons in Boston, or two-plus seasons in Boston on the road rather than at home. It's been really interesting to take a look at, but Pavetta has been able to do a better job of being able to hone in on the walks. Now, he's still giving up right around 3.2, 3.3 walks, for nine innings, so you need him to be able to lock it down a little bit more, but has been able to work on that since last season. His strikeout numbers are relatively good, eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings, and with Nick Pavetta as well, he has really been able to lock in since the beginning part of the season. He's been a little bit more shaky recently, six plus runs to give it up in each out of his last three starts. 
Two of those starts, though, came against the New York Yankees. The other, another interdivision foe in the Tampa Bay Rays when he winds facing up against teams not in the American League East. Nick Pavetta's ERA falls by more than a full point. I do think that he's going to be able to do a little bit better here with the Guardians. Have a lot of guys that are able to get on base like Jose Ramirez, Stephen Kwan. You're able to go down the list of guys hitting at 275 or greater, but with Nick Pavetta, I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, which I think is going to be key. So I do mind saying the Red Sox as a little bit more of a minus 140 favorite. Going to be willing to take a shot here, and I'm going to be taking a look at an under as well. What we're going to be taking a look at next is the game of football as Frank Schwab does a great job covering the NFL over there at Yahoo Sports, and he's going to be joining me next right here on the look at as it is myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Sports Betting Network. This is the look at right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. Craig Oops Pearson is holding it down tonight for Scott Seidenberg as Scott off this week. So you are either going to be graced with myself or you're stuck with myself. I don't know which one it is, but with that said, very happy to be joining you both today and throughout the entirety of the weekend. We're very pleased to be joined by this gentleman as there's going to be a lot of football getting set for the upcoming season on this show. And Frank, one of the best in the business, does Tremendous work over there at Yahoo Sports. And Frank, always great to get a fellow Wisconsinite on. Thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for the great choice of attire with the Wisconsin Badger shirt as well. Honestly, Greg, I was going to change. I usually do. But I'm like, I'm going out with Greg. I can, I can wear my Wisconsin stuff. We can, we can vibe on, uh, get a Badger's vibe going here. So did that one just for this one. And this is a judgment-free zone whenever I wind up hosting. You can wear whatever you want as long as it's not a <laughs> Chicago Bears shirt. Kidding, of course. Uh, with that said, always do welcome that and do appreciate the attire. And what I do appreciate is taking a look at the upcoming NFL season as well as I know that you've been taking a look at quite a few teams. 
with regards to being able to do previews of them. And I know that you've hit on a lot of these AFC teams. And one team that I find fascinating for the upcoming season, because we're hearing the whole debate as to what was, I guess you call it, more important in terms of the Patriots run many years ago. Was it more Tom Brady? Was it more Bill Belichick? And I know you've got a little bit of thoughts with regards to the Patriots season win total as well after they were able to make the postseason last year. Yeah, and Greg, when it comes to the Brady-Belichick thing, I give them both equal credit. I'm one of these guys, I don't think you have to choose. I, I think Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. I think Bill Belichick's the greatest coach ever. Both of those things can be true. We don't have to pick one or the <laughs> other. And I think the last two years, what Belichick has done is really underrated. Two years ago, I know they went 7-9, and nine, but that team was nowhere near a seven-win roster. Cam Newton falling apart. He really dragged them to seven wins. They were in playoff contention for a while. And last year, I think because of the way it ended, with that embarrassing loss of the Bills, we forget how good the Patriots were. for Up until their bye week, which was right through that really windy game at Buffalo, they looked like one of the five best teams in football. When you go back and look at their metrics, they ended up top 10, top five in a lot of categories with a rookie quarterback. Now, the one thing I will say, I have the utmost respect for Josh McDaniels as an offensive coordinator. Let's be real. I, not yet as a coach. He needs to prove that. But we have to see how their offense adjusts. But Belichick always figured this out. And the Patriots, people are down on them, I think, this offseason. Because they had a weird offseason, they lost some guys. They didn't franchise tag J.C. Jackson like everybody else would have. Made a weird first-round draft pick, Cole Strange. Nobody had ever heard of him before. But this is what the Patriots do. They they do their own thing. It always works out for them. I really like the over on them. I mean, they have the same win total right now as Washington Commanders. I, come on. like Let's get real. This is still Bill Belichick. This is still a team that, until December, with a pretty young team with a rookie quarterback, was one of the best in football. I think the Patriots, they're good. When has anybody gone broke, you know, <laughs> going with Bill Belichick instead of against him? So very much like the Patriots over is one of my one of my strongest plays of the season. Yep, for one, I'm right there with you. You can both give credit to Brady and Belichick at the same time without belittling one or the other. So I completely agree with you there. And I do think that, the to your point, the Patriots being right on par with regards to the commander season win total, that's a little bit off base now. I do think that some people are reacting to the fact that you've got a clear favorite in this division. That would be the Buffalo Bills. And as a matter of fact, in most markets, they are the betting favorite to be able to win the Super Bowl this season. But I know that you're taking a look at the Bills in a little bit of a different way. You didn't necessarily hone in on them being able to like win the Super Bowl in the futures market or anything like that. But you're rather looking at Sean McDermott for Coach of the Year. Take me through this one. Absolutely. And it's a tough one, Greg. I'll be honest with you. But you look at the Bills, where's the value? They're six to one most shops, six and a half to one if you're really lucky to find that number. There's just not a lot of value there. There's not a lot of value in our win total. But you look at Sean McDermott at 30 to one to win Coach of the Year. I, I get it. Coach of the Year is a weird award, right? We vote on who is the team that outlasted its expectations the best. Well, maybe sometimes expectations are just wrong in the preseason, right? But I can see the Buffalo Bills having. If they do go 14 and 3, 15 and 2, all of a sudden people are going to start giving Sean McDermott some credit. He's never won this award. If they're clearly the best team in football this year, and there's not a huge surprise story if the Lions don't come out of nowhere. I, I like Dan Campbell for that award too. But if the Buffalo Bills have one of those magical seasons, instead of betting them, you know, the overwind total, I want to take a bigger shot. 30 to 1, look, coach of the year is unpredictable. But the best team's always going to have a shot at that if their coach, you know, hasn't won it before. He's not old hat. And I think Sean McDermott's getting a lot of respect in the community as far as one of the best coaches in the game. So I think the odds there are great for a team that we all think is going to be in the running. We all think might have the best record in football this year. Instead of taking up 6-1 to one to win the Super Bowl, 
I'll take Sean McDermott 30 to one to win coach of the year because I, I do think he has a shot at it if they have that big, big season. And to your point on coach of the year being relatively unpredictable, take a look at the coach of the year odds board at DraftKings. There is <laughs> know, right? nobody that is a shorter shot than 14 to one. There's nobody that's a longer shot than 50 to one. So that tells you right there that it is a little bit insane. And I do think that it is interesting to take a look at the Buffalo Bills and something that I've been doing in terms of my research coming into the NFL season as well. I always love to do this just in all sports as well, trying to find out what sort of teams, players, what have you, are sort of out of sight, out of mind. By that, I mean, maybe you wound up having a guy that was just out for the entirety of a year last year, wound up getting injured midseason, things like this. And one that has really come to mind for me is a team that I know that you like in a couple of different ways in the Baltimore Ravens. Take me through what you've got on this team, because in my opinion, if you take a look at the teams that were most affected by injuries last year, I would give it a 1A, 1B with the New Orleans Saints and the Baltimore Ravens. You can give one to the NFC, one to the AFC, and I know that you like the Ravens to be able to bounce back in a couple different markets this season. Yeah, and Greg, with you know, all due respect, I don't think the Saints are anywhere close to the Ravens as far as injuries go. Football outsiders, who we all know and love, they're adjusted games lost. They've been tracking this since 2001. The Baltimore Ravens set the record for the most games lost for any single team in any season. That was bad luck part one. Then you get to the second part of their bad luck. They lost five games down the stretch by a combined eight points. It's almost unheard of. You, you can't do that. That is a terrible run of bad luck. But they went eight and nine. Everybody's forgotten about them. And everybody, too, has forgotten a little bit about Lamar Jackson. I love him at 20 to 1 to win MVP this year. And I'll tell you why. He was having a quote unquote down year last year. He was still on pace before he got hurt for 4,400 passing yards, 1,150 rushing yards. We've kind of just grown accustomed to, oh, Lamar's whatever, whatever. No, what he's doing is really still unprecedented, right? So Lamar's always going to have that shot to win MVP in a 20 to 1 odds. Yes, give me him all day. There's nine guys ahead of him on the odds board. I think that's ridiculous. He is easily a top five MVP candidate for me. And if I think that way, I also have to think of the Ravens bouncing back this year. They're not going to have that same injury luck. They're not going to have that same bad luck in close games late in the year. John Harbaugh always wins. And I love teams like that. This team is down the Super Bowl odds, you know, list a little bit. We're all excited about the Bills or the Chargers or the, the Broncos, whoever it's going to be, where the Ravens are just kind of this boring whatever. We're so used to them just cranking out 11, 12 win seasons. The Ravens are going to be a Super Bowl contender this year. They have a great secondary. Their offense is going to be different, but they're going to figure it out. Lamar Jackson's going to be great again. I really like her. Any bet, Greg, any bet you can give me on the Ravens this year? Overwind total. AFC North. Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson MVP. I'm taking it because I think the Ravens bounce back in a huge, huge way. I do think that the Ravens are going to be in for a big year as well. And to your point, win total of 9.5, I think that it's too low. I think that they are going to be the best team in the AFC North. And that's even with if you wind up having Deshaun Watson being able to come back at some point during the season, obviously. A very much unresolved sort of situation. Some people are thinking that he's going to get as few as six games. Some people are thinking that he's going to get more than a year suspension. We just don't know at this point. But with that said, regardless of it, I still think that the Ravens are a better team to your point. And what we are noticing as well is that a lot of these contracts, they're sort of up in the air, Lamar Jackson, to what we're talking about right now. He's got a little bit of one. We wound up seeing Kyler Murray. He wound up getting his money a few days ago. He stick any sock into a guy that is right now looking for a contract like a Lamar Jackson, like a Debo Samuel, anything like that? Or is this pretty much a non-factor for you at this point? You know, I, I, I treat it as a non-factor because it could go one of both ways. Lamar Jackson, for an example, or Debo even, could show up to camp and say, 
I'm going to show everybody. I'm going to prove to the world that I'm worth this money. I'm going to have a season out of my mind or could distract them all year. That is possible. That's within the range of outcomes here at Lamar Jackson. We just don't know. We haven't heard a lot about the contract negotiations because, let's be honest, when this is reported, it usually comes from the agent. Well, Lamar Jackson is his own agent right now, so we're not getting a lot. We don't know really where the contract negotiations are with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. I think Lamar comes in and uses this as fuel. I think he has a great year. I think he has a prove-it type of year. He wants to get that $45, $50 million a year, which I think he's worth, honestly. It's just whether he's going to have that career longevity. But that's a different story altogether. I just think for this year, I'm banking on Lamar is going to have that kind of season. And hey, if we're talking contract situations, it's not the same. But Jesse Bates with the Bengals is a huge part of their defense. Another reason for me to fade the Bengals a little bit, for me to like the Ravens. But I think Lamar comes out, chip on his shoulder. He's that kind of competitor. I don't think he's going to have this lingering over his head. I think he's just going to ball out this season and say, hey, you know what? I'm worth it. You better pay me, Ravens, because I just showed you I'm still at an MVP level. And we have found out that there's probably not going to be too many Players are going to be taking the Le'Veon Bell route as well, as that did not wind up working out for him. But with that said, something that always works out for us here on The Look At is having you join us, Frank. Always great to be able to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks, Greg. On Wisconsin. Yes, sir. On Wisconsin, indeed. And Frank, one of the best in the business of being able to take a look at the game that we all know and love of football and coming up next. We'll take a look at what we're going to be getting on the diamond on Monday right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Ice cold beers and cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch today with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free to play pools this season for your shot at $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. Please do drink responsibly and see DraftKings.com for details. As it is a look at with myself, Greg Peterson. Big thanks to our friend Frank Schwab. Does a great job being able to take a look at the NFL for Yahoo Sports. He joined me in the last segment, and we're going to be picking up on the football conversation in about 15 or so minutes. As Rob Pizzola does a great job. He is the co-owner of BetStamp, also does the Circles Off podcast, He's going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at a few futures with him. We talked a little bit about the AFC with our good friend Frank. We're probably going to be taking a look at another AFC team that I like to win the division. Get Rob Sots there. So that is going to be on tap in terms of our NFL conversation. But let's take a look at baseball because I've been taking a look at a lot of the American League games that are going to be coming up for Monday. What if we wind up hitting upon a National League game here as we wind up finding the National League with one very demonstrative favorite and that would be 961-962 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals, they're on the road. They're going to be facing off against the L.A. Dodgers as Tony Gonsolin is going to be going for the Dodgers and Paulo Espino is on the bump for the Washington Nationals. Colon's game is 8.5 and, and with the Dodgers, well, biggest favorite on the board. Anywhere between minus 280 and minus 285. Anywhere between plus 235 and seeing as high as plus 250, your price on the Nationals. And I'm not going to say that the Nationals are completely unbackable, but I need at least a plus 275 to be able to back the Nationals, and we are not there at this point. And it's been a rough year for the Washington Nationals. Juan Soto might wind up getting traded, and I mean, their airline decisions with Juan Soto at this point are getting critiqued, so that's not necessarily so great. 
Patrick Corbin has been an unbackable side whenever you've had out there. Yon Adona has been one of the greatest fades of all time. I'm sure that there are people currently in this fine city of Las Vegas that wound up being able to secure a little bit of rent money for future months thanks to being able to bet against Yon Adona, and that was absolutely terrible. And take a look at Paul Espinel. The actual numbers themselves are actually not bad. He's posted up right around a 357 ERA, has been giving up a few homers, but a guy that is really not going to walk a lot of guys. Really one of the biggest career journeymen you're going to find as ran around like 35 years old, has bounced around quite a bit. He has played in a wide variety of areas and finally has been able to bust through it. You'd love to be able to see it, but with that said, the big thing with, with Paul Espino, it just feels like he's built as a little bit more of a long guy. He needs to get starts because, frankly, the Washington Nationals have done a terrible job with their farm system. They have not been able to develop anyone so instead of having Paulo Espino in a position where he's really good coming out for like two, sometimes three innings, hold down the fort as a little bit of a long guy, they've had to turn him into a starter. And you just take a look at how he's done as a starter as opposed to a long guy. And I mean, it is a stark difference. Just this year as alone as a reliever, he wound up throwing right around 26 or so innings at a 203 ERA. Did a great job holding down the fort. Gave up two home runs at 26 and two-thirds innings. His home runs per Ending rate as a starter is nearly triple. His ERA, a 488. His strikeout to walk rate goes from a 5 as a reliever to a 325 when he's in the role of a starter. And we wound up seeing the same thing last year as well, only his home run rate and wound up being even worse for his career as a reliever. 342 ERA, 473 ERA as a starter. And his home runs per nine rate as a starter is north of two. Meanwhile, as a reliever, it's more around about a 1.2, 1.3. So, big issues there. Meanwhile, you've got Tony Gonsolin, who he did wind up getting lit up a little bit in the All-Star game. But take a look at Tony Gonsolin. He's given up two runs or fewer at all but two of his starts thus far this season. He's been rock solid for a Dodgers team that they are really now cooking with some gas when it comes to what you've got with this team, especially with covering the run line. The Dodgers, they've got 64 wins this season. The big key here. All but seven of them have been by multiple runs. So if you've been taking the Dodgers on the run line, you've been far more profitable than if you've been taking them on the money line because you take a look at them right now. I wound up mentioning it just a second ago. They're minus 280 on the money line at DraftKings. On the run line, you're finding them more around a minus 140. So instead of having to lay $280 to win $100 on the money line, take them on the run line you lay 140 to wind up winning 100. Now, if you wind up losing either of these bets, that's not necessarily palatable, but I mean, instead of losing $140, if they wind up losing this game, or instead of losing $280, if they wind up losing this game outright, you wind up only losing 140, which I know that I say the word only as if it's a very good thing, and I wind up demeaning it maybe a little bit, but still, you're able to cut that loss in half, and I think that it's very important to take a look at teams like this with the Dodgers that they're very trustworthy on the run line. Meanwhile, a team like I'm looking at you, my home state Milwaukee Brewers, who have not been so trustworthy on the run line and play these teams differently as a result because there are some teams that they've been able to make you a lot of money on the run line. There are some teams that they have not been able to do so much, but I do think that with the LA Dodgers, this is a team that's really starting to find their form. They're starting to really separate when it comes to the National League. I think that the debate of whether the gap between the Dodgers and everyone else in the National League versus the Yankees and everyone else in the American League is a good one. And honestly, I would say the gap 
in the National League right now is a little bit bigger than the one in the American League where you've got an Astros who are a solid number two team out there in the National League. You've obviously got the Mets and the Atlanta Braves. I would not put anyone in the Central or the rest of the West up against the LA Dodgers and have it be really a fair fight at this point. But I do think that this is a Dodgers team that with having Mookie Betts be able to give you north of 20 home runs in the leadoff spot, Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman hitting above a 300. Both of these guys they will give you 15 plus home runs. You've been able to get some good production out of Will Smith recently. They've been able to really separate in the Washington Nationals. It's just not a good bullpen at all. As you've got guys like Victor Arano, Kyle Finnegan, Steve Ciszek, you're able to go down the list of untrustworthy bullpen guys that have an ERA that's north of a 375. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers, it's been the less heralded guys that have really been able to step up. Evan Phillips, Yancey Almonte, both have a sub-2 ERA this season. You've noticed that Reyes Bonanta has been fading a little bit recently, and Craig Kimbrell, we're going to call it what it is. It's not been a good year for him. They could really use the plate. Try him back in that bullpen as he has been injured for darn near the entirety of the season, but certainly it's been a Dodgers team that has been able to find a way to be able to get the job done, and they're going up against the Washington Nationals team that is currently dead last in the National League in terms of home runs. Now, the big key for the Washington Nationals, and this has provided them a little bit of an offensive spark, has been Juan Soto recently. He's got 20 home runs overall for the season, but he's been hitting darn near a 400 over the last three weeks, so he has really been able to pick it up. It's been nice to be able to see, and you do have Josh Bell being above three, and then you got guys like Cesar Hernandez, Michael Franco, that have been able to get on base, Key better Ruiz, in between about a 235 to a 250, but it still leaves a lot to be desired in terms of the power category. The only guy other than Soto has really been able to give you double-digit amount of homers. That's been Josh Bell, so I do think that's going to be Another one, rough one here for the Nationals. I do think the Council could probably give up a little bit of contact. He became the first pitcher really in the modern era to wind up giving up fewer than 50 hits en route to a 10-0 and record to start out the season. I do think that we're going to see his balls in play wind up being a little bit less lucky as opponents are in well below a 200 off of him right now. But that said, still going to be taking a look at the under because the Nationals have not really been able to go yard this season. And with the Dodgers, would much rather have a run line rather than the money line. I was willing to lay up to about a minus 148 personally with the Dodgers on the run line. Seeing this right around a minus 140, I'm going to be willing to lay it there. And when it comes to a game that I was talking about a little bit earlier in the Astros versus the Oakland A's, since this is the other demonstrative game, I want to tell you guys that I like the under in this game a little bit as well. But we go 969, 970 a little bit more into why I like the run line of the Astros in this spot with Jake Odorizzi going up against Adam Aller. And a big thing for me with the Houston Astros is this offense. It's an offense that certainly has experienced a little bit of a fall-off from last season, but still, you've been able to see some of these guys starting to be able to emerge a little bit more. LMNDCS, Yoli Gurriel, who had really rough starts to the season. They're starting to pick it up. And Jordan Alvarez, hitting above a 300, north of a 400 on base. He's been able to supply north of 25 home runs thus far this season. And I think under the radar... We've got to be taking a look at what Jeremy Pena has been able to do as well. He has really been the replacement of Carlos Correa. And he doesn't have quite the batting average of Carlos Correa, but he's been good out there in the field. He's been able to supply the team with 14 home runs and with the Astros as well. Big reason why they've been the best under team in all baseball this season. Number one in terms of bullpen ERA, Seth Martinez, coupled with Rafael Montero, throwing their Ryan Sanic. All these guys have a sub-2 ERA. So even if Jake Odorizzi has a start much like he did on the 4th of July, against the Royals. You still have some forgiveness in terms of this total under, and I do think that the bullpen of the Houston Astros going to continue to be solid. And for the Oakland A's, you've got a quadrant of guys, Zach Jackson, Domingo Acevedo, 
Sam Ball, AJ Puck, all these guys. Everybody will give you a sub three ERA. It's been a little bit topsy turvy for this bullpen, but in a ballpark that is going to have the marine layer out because it is going to be a night game out there in Oakland. I think that runs are going to be at a little bit of a premium, but that said, I do think that the Astros, they've got enough firepower to be able to win on the run line, especially with the Oakland A's hitting below the middle's line of a 200 at home. So going to be taking a look at the run line of the Astros, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under as well. And coming up next, I'm going to be taking a look forward to the upcoming NFL season. Rob Pozzola does a great job being able to handicap a little bit of everything, including the great game of football, and he's going to be joining me next right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving for every single game? The betting splits page, it is updated every 10 minutes, so that way you're able to see all the changes in the action and you're able to find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money just doesn't match up with the public opinion. You're able to check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way that VEASAN is here year-round to make you a smarter better. Check out today's betting splits for every single day. For every single game now at vcin.com as it is a look at with myself greg peterson and great to have rob pizzola on the show he does a great job he is the co-owner of BetStamp and is a man that does a great job taking a look at various markets as i know that he did a great job joining us throughout the nhl season and does a great job in the nfl as well and rob great to have you aboard tonight thank you yeah thanks for having me greg and rob i know that the two of us We've got sort of a team that we both like. I always wind up doing my NFL research, and there's always a category of teams in which the more I look at them, the more I like them. And for me, that's really the Indianapolis Colts this season. I think that they should be able to pull it out in the AFC South. And we've seen the numbers wind up going up a little bit higher on them. Most places wind up having a little bit more of a minus 110. I'm seeing them now at DraftKings more around a minus 125. And take me through your thoughts on the Colts since I think that you've got sort of the same sentiment as I do on this team. 
Yeah, I think the Colts, as weird as it is to say, I mean, they should win the AFC South, as you mentioned, their division odds. I think they're a dark horse Super Bowl contender as well. I think a lot of people will write them off in the AFC because there are so many good teams in the AFC. But I think the likelihood of the Colts running away with this division is pretty high right now. I mean, there's a possibility that Matt Ryan is completely washed. I personally don't think that's the case. But even if he is, he has the offensive line. He has the running game. He has the defense to be successful. Indy basically just needs someone who can come in and not fumble games away like Carson Wentz did last year. So even if Ryan isn't anywhere close to his peak, he provides them with an upgrade, in my opinion, in that he's not apt to completely throw away games. And you look at this defense, I'm in love with this defense. The defensive line is going to be solid. Quiddy Pay gets another year under his belt. There's a change of scenery for Yannick Ngakwe. DeForest Buckner is is a beast on the defensive line. They still have Darius Leonard in the linebacking core, one of the best linebackers uh, in the game. And they have a fairly strong group of cornerbacks as well with Stephon Gilmore, Kenny Moore, Isaiah Rogers. So this is a team I'm pretty high on. And that's assuming that they just get average quarterback play. But there's a possibility that Matt Ryan regains his form here behind an offensive line that is fairly strong working that play action. So I think the Colts are a very good bet to win the division right now. I make them closer to 60% to win this division. So I like them to win the AFC South, and I've thrown some dollars on them to win the Super Bowl and the AFC as well. Yep, I'm no disagreement here, and especially with the fact that Matt Ryan, I mean, last year, he was on a Falcons team that they were a bottom five team, in my opinion, in the NFL. They just didn't provide him with anything whatsoever. Now that he's got, I mean, the best running game of his career, and that's no slight to Mr. Freeman, not all those guys, but man, when you wind up being able to team him up with Jonathan Taylor, totally in agreement with you there, and just taking a look at the AFC, you mentioned it. There's a lot of good teams out there, and the AFC West is the most loaded division I've seen in a very long time. I mean, when legitimately Derek Carr can be the worst quarterback in a division, you know that you've got yourself a very good division. Where do you wind up standing on this one? Because, I mean, the odds to be able to win the division is very tight. I mean, all four of these teams can legitimately be able to make a run towards the postseason, and I think it's going to be really fascinating to take a look at it, both from a futures perspective and just a game-by-game perspective, too. I think this might be the longest odds we'll see on Patrick Mahomes to win his division in our lifetime. I mean, we see the Chiefs plus 170 at some books right now. Most of the market is plus 155, plus 160. That's an implied win probability of about 39%. That means you need the Chiefs to win the division at least two out of every five seasons. I think their probability is much higher than that. I look at them on paper. I don't really know what the knock on this team is aside from having lost Tyreek Hill in the offseason. Juju Smith-Schuster, McCole Hardman, Marquez Valdez-Scanling. It's not exactly murderer's row, but that's still a decent receiving core. And they have a great offensive line. So I still think Patrick Mahomes is going to cook offensively. Aside from their right tackle, Andrew Wiley, they're pretty rock solid across the board. They drafted George Karlaftis on defense, who's going to help bolster their defensive line and you know be another capable player that can rush the quarterback alongside Chris Jones. They drafted Trent McDuffie, which bolsters their secondary, gives them some immediate secondary help as well. So I know everybody wants to talk about the other teams in the division. Obviously, Devontae Adams with the Raiders. You have the Denver Broncos adding Russell Wilson. You also have a very good Chargers team. But to me, the Chiefs are still the cream of the crop in this division, and I do expect Patrick Mahomes to put up huge numbers this year. So I like the Chiefs to win the West. Um, obviously line shop plus 170 is a great number, but I would bet them at pretty much any market price right now. And how much do you think it, it was actually maybe a little bit of a good thing that the Chiefs wound up struggling out of the gates last year as well? Because I mean, like five, six weeks through the year, it felt like everyone was burying the Kansas City Chiefs saying that Patrick Mahomes had fallen off a cliff and that everyone had figured him out. And then lo and behold, the Kansas City Chiefs wind up pulling off 
a nice second half of the season. The defense was able to get in line because I take a look at that and I actually think that it could wind up actually being a little bit of a positive for them because they wound up going through that last season. This isn't uncommon in the NFL where you see a team that just has a great offensive performance one year and then all of a sudden the next season, all these teams are trying to figure out what they're doing offensively and, and trying to game plan against them. And we saw teams playing a lot of two safety, uh, sorry, three high safety looks against the Kansas City Chiefs last year early on in the year. And the Chiefs didn't really know how to deal with that. Later in the year, they were taking more stuff underneath than typical than they typically would. But that's not something that's uncommon. And they've kind of gone through that adversity, like you said, and they figured out how to play against different types of defenses. So uh, I just think the Chiefs are still the most complete team in the division, like their offensive line. Like I said, I like the additions they made on the defensive line as well. I think if you go into the beginning of last year, a lot of people were just completely writing them off, not only because their offense was not at the caliber that it was, but their defense was struggling in a big, big way. They really turned it on in the latter half of last season. I expect that to continue forward, not to the point where they're going to be one of the best defenses in the NFL, but they just don't have to be bad, and this team is very good. So I think the Chiefs are a little bit underpriced right now. Yep, I agree with you there, and I do think that it's going to be another very good year for the Chiefs. And hey, you can wind up having three-plus teams be able to make the playoffs from this division, I don't know if you can quite wind up getting all four teams in. It's mathematically possible. That's going to be a little bit tough, but could easily see three teams from the AFC West be able to make the postseason. So that is going to be interesting to take a look at. And what else I'm going to be taking a look at as well, my home state, the Green Bay Packers, they are the favorites to be able to win the NFC North. And I think that it's very clear that they and the Minnesota Vikings are one and two. But the bottom of the division is intriguing because – one of the biggest bets that we've been seeing out there has been a lot of people taking the Chicago Bears under their season win total, and I can't disagree with anyone that is betting the under on them right now, taking a look at just that entire roster. And then the Detroit Lions as well. You're fighting them at 10-1 to to win the division. I am not in on them. I certainly think that they can win more than three games outright this season, but where do you stand on the bottom two teams in this division? Because the Bears under has become a very trendy bet, and for the Detroit Lions, they've been a team that has been interesting to take a look at in the futures market as well and I just need to see it to believe it for them before I wind up taking anything more than the spread because they just couldn't get outright wins last season I'm not a person that bets a ton of futures over the course of an NFL season I prefer more of the week-to-week approach but I did play some bears under on their season win total that's moved quite a bit but I actually kind of like if I had to make a play now I'd still like bears under I think this is a team that I also bet to have the worst record in the league at 12 to 1 which I think is a good number right now as well, because this team is really just void of talent on both sides of the ball. Unless Justin Fields takes a massive step forward this year under a new coaching staff, I see them you know, really, really struggling this season and being on par with the, the Houston Texans. In terms of the Detroit Lions, I understand all the reasons why someone would like the Lions this year. Lots of heartbreaking losses last year. Uh, they have a coach that's a good motivator, a young team loaded with a lot of high draft picks. picks. Uh, division's not as strong as it was I've personally never seen a team that has no quarterback and no defense get as much love as the Detroit Lions are this offseason. I mean, you look at Jared Goff, his, play, his pro football focus player grades over the past three seasons. He hasn't had a season higher than a 72.4 player grade, which is very average. And in two of the last three seasons, he had McVay calling the defenses for him at the line of scrimmage. I know the weapons around him are good. The offensive line should be solid. But to me, Jared Goff is still Jared Goff. And on the defensive side of the ball, I have so many concerns for the Lions. Obviously, they draft Hutchinson in there now, first overall. Who knows what his impact will be in his first year? Outside of that, there's cause for concern from every single player on their defense, whether that's the interior defensive line. 
Uh, the linebacking core, I think, is actually the worst linebacking core in the entire league. And the secondary is also a huge concern. I know people just expect that Jeff Okuda is going to make a, a, a step forward this year, but he was injured for the large majority of last year, didn't have a good rookie season. So, yeah, he has tons of talent. He was drafted third overall in 2020, but I don't necessarily means that think that means it's, he's going to turn it around this year. Uh, they have A.J. Parker as a depth corner. Mike Hughes was solid last year, but he was below average for most of his career. So I think there's just question marks all over the place with this Lions team. I think people are talking themselves into this Lions team just because they played so hard last year. And because the other teams in the division look like they could potentially be, have, be having a down year. Uh, but I'm just not buying Detroit as a team that's going to take a huge step forward this year. I think there's just way too many flaws on the roster, uh, especially at the quarterback position, especially on defense. I can't blame you there, and just because you like a team on the spread catching north of a touchdown doesn't mean that they wind up winning these games outright as well. And Rob, it is always great to have you aboard on the lookout. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thanks for having me, Greg. Rob does a great job of being able to take a look at both NFL and did a great job with the NHL market as well. And here in the final hour of the lookout, going to take a look at the baseball right here on VSIN, Esports Bank Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.